Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzefa. And today we are talking about a book that I recently read. In fact, it was actually assigned, if you will, for teachers at the school that I'll be teaching at next year. And so we were meant to read it over the summer, and it's actually a great book. It's exactly the type of book that I like to read. So I'm pretty excited to talk about it. And recently I just did an episode on the 10 most influential books that I've read in the last couple years. And I would have to say this falls right in line with with these books. There's obviously a lot of stuff in here that I've read before as far as certain principles and concepts about achieving great things, what it takes to do so, what type of mindset do you need. But I like that. What I find is when you read a lot of self-development books, which I do simply because I like them and I find they have relevance to my life and what I'm trying to do, they, you'll, you'll, the really key parts is when you notice the overlaps. You'll notice certain themes reoccurring over and over across different books. You'll notice certain mindsets that keep coming up, certain pieces of advice. And I always like to think that those overlaps, those nice things that are like, hey, this guy, this has been said by like four, five, six different people those are the things that I'm like, okay, I'm going to store those away. These are the things that I really want to, these are the types of behaviors that I want to emulate because they seem to certainly be, at least a, a number of experts seem to believe that they are contributors to achieving whatever it is you want to achieve. So I'd have to say that definitely a lot of the things mentioned here have been mentioned before, but that's a good thing. I look at that as a positive. So let me start by t- telling you what this book is called. It's called Grit, and it's by Angela Duckworth. By the way, the subtitle is The Power of Passion and Perseverance. Great subtitle. So here, let me tell you a little bit about Angela Duckworth. She is a 2013 MacArthur Fellow and Professor of Psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. She's advised the White House, the World Bank, NBA, and NFL teams, and Fortune 500 CEOs. Prior to her career in research, she founded an award-winning swimming summer school for low-income children. She is also the founder and scientific director of the Character Lab, a nonprofit with a mission to advance the science and practice of character development. She completed her BA in neurobiology at Harvard, her MSc in neuroscience at Oxford, and her PhD in psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. Okay, so... I'm going to be I, I'm going to be glancing at the table of contents as we go through. I didn't take notes or anything. I wanted this to be off the cuff and just basically a retelling of the things that were most that that come to the forefront of my mind when when trying to recount the various things that I've learned in this book. But I will have the book in front of me. And there's one I'm only going to read one quote because it pertains to mathematics. As I remember it's on page 194. I didn't write that down either, but I, I remember that because I'm like, okay, I got to reference this one day. So let me let me kind of just shoot from the uh, shoot from the hip here. 
So first, a little backstory about Angela. The way the book begins is it talks about West Point graduates, and that is a highly prestigious military infused university that has a it, it's tough and it can have a reasonably high dropout rate because it's very intense, a very intense program, not just academically, but as far as the military aspect as well. And she begins her study there by trying to understand what it is that differentiates or separates the students that make it all the way through the program and the rigors of the program versus those who tend to give up. And essentially what this book boils down to is trying to understand the formula for, if you want to call it success, you can. I wouldn't state it so vaguely, but really the formula to persevere and and to produce great things. And this could be from building a company to being an Olympic athlete to graduating from West Point. So there's this can happen in all walks of life. And she's trying to understand what is it? What is it that's happening? Just to give you a little background that wasn't in her bio that I just read. Uh, Angela Duckworth also, after graduation from Harvard, she went on to work at a consulting firm called McKinsey. Now, if you guys aren't familiar with McKinsey, it's a very prestigious management consulting firm that it's it's an intense process to be interviewed there and to get to to work there and it's of the there's i'd say three management consulting firms that are top notch you have bain you have uh, mckinsey and you also have boston consulting group or bcg there are other ones that are great so not to say that those are the only three but those are essentially what you might consider the equivalent to harvard yale stanford uh, the the triumvirate of amazing in, uh, universities in the country, in this country. So McKinsey is top notch. Uh, and they'll they'll hire not only business students, but all students from all walks of life. They even have, uh, they, they've typically hired actually a lot of attorneys. So I know a lot of people who graduate with law degrees, but then want to go into a different route. They may go to McKinsey. McKinsey is very open. In fact, was founded by at least one of their founders. It was an attorney before switching to consulting. It's a very prestigious firm, and she worked there for several years and then eventually quit and went into education. So it's kind of cool for me because she also was on a corporate route and then when it realized, or the way she put it is, really consulting was taking a break because she always knew she wanted to be an educator, always had a passion for people, and of course I can really relate to that. It makes me feel like my path a bit and coming back to education, working with people, being socially enveloped in this world of of kids and parents and other teachers, all of whom I love. Anyways, so this book, at least from where she's coming from, it really it really struck a chord with me. So she left this prestigious thing and then she went to went into education, first began in inner city schools and just had a deep passion for understanding what makes students tick and moreover, what makes people tick? Why are some people driven to achieve these great things? Now, one of the first things that she talks about is this notion that most people think you either got it or you don't. You're either smart or talented or you're not. And this is what's called a fixed mindset. Now she talks about this in depth in the book. I will be honest, growing up, I thought that's kind of how it went. You either were very smart and did really well in school, and that was 
shown in your grades and your test scores or you weren't. And it, there wasn't much movement. There wasn't much ability to, to go from one category to the other. That's a fixed mindset. Growth mindset is not, I'm either good or bad. Growth mindset is you start something and you may not be so great initially, but you believe that you can improve you can improve, uh, you can make massive strides to get better at whatever that particular subject may be. By the way, if you look at the two, in fact, growth mindset is the true mindset. It's actually what has been shown to be true for people that you can actually gain massive amounts of skill, both not only just in a general sense, but also there's physical changes that accompany the development of skill and talent. It's not necessarily innate. And the growth mindset, not only it, although it's true, not everybody buys into it. Not everybody believes it. That can be a major issue. And what she, one thing that she notices is that people who tend to achieve great things, they have a growth mindset, or they're more likely to have a growth mindset. When they encounter something that's difficult, they don't look at it and say, well, this is not for me. I'm not naturally good at this. I don't pick it up quickly. They just say, okay, well, now I just got to put in time to master it. It's only a matter of time. It's not a matter of if, it's when. She also talks about this idea of when, when we look at, there is obviously some, there is something called intelligence. And the way she describes it is intelligence is something, it's basically how fast you pick up a new skill. And there's, there's two factors, essentially, when you're trying to gain mastery of something. There's intelligence, and there's also what she calls grit. And grit is more or less, you could define it as your work ethic, your ability to really push through the sludge and and work your work yourself out work yourself through the difficult parts to achieve mastery and what she says is there's if she's roughly trying to quantify it if she said intelligence is let's say worth 33% of the equation grit is worth 66% more or less. She said there's a two to one ratio as far as importance. The bottom line is intelligence, whatever you want to call it, it's sure it can help. It's part of the equation. If you want, and again, if we're defining intelligence as the how fast you pick some a new concept up. But the more important piece is how willing you are to push through, to try again and again and again. And so that, that's the real takeaway that, hey, at the end of the day, this is a very important piece of the puzzle. Most important piece of the puzzle is how, how much you're willing to push and strive. So what is gonna, what's going to modify that? How is that going to be affected based on how much you like something, for example? So let's talk about passion. So if we're talking about trying to choose something that let's say we're trying to figure out we're trying to choose an activity to become really really good at does it matter if you actually enjoy the activity or not well i think as most people might assume you want to of course when you are passionate about something and you enjoy an activity it's going to make it so much easier to naturally fall in and to want to practice diligently and to put in what she calls deep, I think it's called deep practice or fo uh, focus practice. I'm going to have to come back to, I'm going to have to glance through this book really quickly as I'm talking to remember the exact term. And it's also used in the talent code. They use the, uh, they use the 
same exact term as far as the type of practice. Because you can have, hey, I'm just going to sit down, practice for an hour, not really think about it. But the type of practice that is really emblematic of somebody who is striving for excellence and probably going to reach a high level of affinity eventually is deliberate practice. So deliberate practice is basically, it's it's like very focused practice where each time you're sitting down to do something, you have some sort of a goal. And you might be like, okay, today I'm going in the pool. I want to beat my last time from yesterday just by a little bit. Tomorrow I want to tie it. The next day I want to tie it, but in two weeks and then in then each day, all right, now this time I remember I took a break for five minutes. I want to cut that break to three minutes. I want to cut that break to two and a half minutes, so on and so forth. You're looking to push a little bit more out of each practice as far as going through the motions. Now, going through the motions, regardless, it's still going to remember she's comparing and contrasting those who've reached gold medal status in the Olympics versus those who've reached let's say, Olympic qualifying status. You got to bear in mind, by the way, that the margin of difference between these two, at least to, from the outside perspective, is so slight. I mean, we can't even tell really the difference. We could race, I could race somebody in a swim race who won the Olympic gold or who just qualified for the Olympics. I couldn't tell the difference. They both crushed me and I'd have no idea. Both have achieved what I would call mastery, but and, you know, on the Olympic stage, the standards are so high to, to reach that gold. It's just a notch above. So I'm not saying that practice without this super intense focus is not going to get you anywhere. A lot of times it will still get you to a great position, a great level of mastery that could do awesome things for you in other walks of life other than just, a, just getting a medal in the Olympics. But anyways, the deliberate practice, that specific practice is so much easier if you can focus it around an activity that you are in, that you intrinsically enjoy. And a lot of these guys will even admit, and I can attest to this too in my life, even if it's something you love, it doesn't mean you have to love every single moment of it. That isn't necessarily part of the equation. But things like, well, you, you feel like at least you're working towards a bigger goal. You overall love the these you don't maybe love every swimming practice but you love the ability to compete and that drives you there's something in it that pushes you through the mundane parts or the tiring parts or the disappointing parts where you're still really focused and set on on doing something and it's that much easier if you're passionate about it now if we there's a little bit of a debate that she discusses between two psychologists that talk about whether or not it needs to be something where you deliberate practice is something where you're kind of like in the flow state where it just feels almost effortless and you feel just so happy doing it versus it. No, it can't feel like that. It's got to feel tough. That's the point of deliberate practice. You don't want to be in flow state. And she sort of she sort of just presents the two arguments and has has you think about them. It seems to me like there's some sort of a balance in that, of course, you want to be happy, maybe not be totally in flow, you want to be still aware of what's going on and thinking about things actively. And again, you have those pieces, you're not going to enjoy everything you do all the time. But the general idea is if you have these larger principles, these larger goals, those will be like your North Star in the choppy seas, you're going to be going towards that. And that's that can propel you to hopefully 
get wherever you want to go or get to a place that maybe you didn't think you'd even end up, but where you're pretty happy with where you've gotten. So the key part that I want to talk about is the parenting advice. So she talks about parenting. How can you parent your kids to develop this mentality, this growth mindset where you don't think, hey, I've hit a challenge and therefore I'm not good at this. I just give up versus, oh, this is tough. So how am I going to get good at it? And that's what I got to figure out. How do we cultivate this mindset? And by the way, before we jump into this, I want to read my quote on page 194. Let me go to that really quickly because this is about mathematics. I thought it was pretty cool. So first of all, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i read the paragraph uh, before. It's talking about a, a woman named Rhonda who has a PhD in mathematics. The most important thing about Rhonda's story is that she almost never got back up all by herself. Instead, she figured out that asking for help was a good way to hold on to hope. Here's just one of the stories she told me. I had this mentor who knew, even before I did, that I was going to be a mathematician. It all started when I'd done very poorly on one of his tests, and I went to his office and cried. All of a sudden, he jumped up out of his chair and, without a word, ran out of the room. When, finally, he came back, he said, Young lady, you should go to graduate school in mathematics, but you're taking all of the wrong courses. And he had all of the courses I should have been taking mapped out, and the personal promises of other faculty that they'd help me. About 20 years ago, Rhonda confounded the co-founded the EDGE program with Sylvia Bozeman, a fellow mathematician. EDGE stands for Enhancing Diversity in Graduate Education, and its mission is to support women and minority students pursuing doctoral training in mathematics. People assume you have to have some special talent to do mathematics, Sylvia has said. They think you're either born with it or you're not. But Rhonda and I keep saying you actually develop the ability to do mathematics. Don't give up. Okay. How many times have I said this, my students, if you're listening out there, or parents of my students? Thank you. Thank you, Angela Duckworth, well, via Sylvia Bozeman, for saying that in print on an interview. I appreciate it. There you go. Okay, so let's talk now about parenting. And I think there, there's some really interesting stuff in here uh, about parenting. And they give some cool examples. There's a lot of anecdotes in this book. I mean, it's, it's, it's the same thing in the talent code. It's filled with anecdotes. I think they're powerful. They're a great way to learn. But in particular, there's two things to note that they talk about with respect to parenting that I, that I want to talk about. The first is this idea of what she calls wise parenting. And wise parenting, in sum, encompasses two aspects of parenting that she recommends to train kids, to help train kids for being gritty, as she calls it. Gritty is the ability to just put your head down and really work towards something. This is what she encourages is parents to be both incredibly supportive. Tell me your feelings. I got your back. I'm going to take care of you. To be incredibly supportive while also being what she calls demanding, meaning having particular expectations. This doesn't mean being authoritarian. This doesn't mean making your kids necessarily miserable. But I think what's important here is you want to convey your expectations, hold hold them to some level of accountability while also being extremely supportive, sympathetic to their needs and to their emotional Roll to their emotional ups and downs, etc. Uh, again, this isn't coming from me. This is coming from Angela Duckworth. I do find it very interesting. And sometimes 
Now, I'm trying to read this and think about how I teach kids, how I coach them. And sometimes maybe I'm a little bit too, hey, just do what you love. No worries. You don't like this. I want you to find something you like. And while I think that's important, I think that is part of her message. I do think it's also interesting that she does have this message about, like, for example, she gives the anecdote of Steve Young, who's a quarterback, and how his dad was very adamant that if he quit the team, he's like, I don't want you to quit. I want you to keep pushing. I don't even want, I'm not, and because I don't want you to quit, if you do quit, I'm not going to let you come back home because I want you to know that that, that that's going to be the consequence and I know you can do it. I know you can push through this. And there are particular, there are a lot of reasons as to why he said that based on the childhood, you know, it could seem a bit crazy, a bit harsh, but he felt like that was the right thing to do and to push his son for his son's personality type. And it worked. He's now a famous quarterback. So that's one of the pieces that's important. The other thing that she talks about is extracurricular activities. And in sum, she basically notes that extracurricular involvement seems to have a correlation, moreover, like long extracurricular involvement where you're doing it for several years and you're noticing some sort of upward trajectory, you're trying, you're improving, that there seems to be a correlation between that and grittiness or ability to persevere later in life. So it seems to me that the overarching message here is that what we want is we do want like there is value to extracurriculars and it and it translates to not only performance in college, but also in the workforce or if you're building a business, whatever it may be. So there is great value to that. And I think that's that's really cool. One last thing that I remember she mentioned that I think is pretty important is the concept of modeling. Now, I'm in a workshop this week that we're talking about this thing, concept of interactive modeling, where it's very powerful to show kids the right way to behave. You model it, and then you have somebody else do it. They observe, they give feedback, and they can see what to do and what not to do. The same thing's true with with having a growth mindset. And she makes an interesting point that even if you tell kids, your children, that you have a growth mindset, they should have a growth mindset. But if you show... If in your actions that you don't actually buy into that philosophy, that you're very much about, hey, you're either good at something or you're not, and that's what you communicate in terms of that's how you feel about yourself, that's more likely what they're going to pick up, not the piece about having a growth mindset. So remember, and this is what they said, they've said in the seminar over and over, kids are always, people are always watching, but in particular, kids are always watching. So be cognizant of that and try and exude whatever it is you want them to mimic and copy. And that's it. That is my review of this book. I think it's a great book. I think you should definitely check it out. Also check out my episode on my 10 recommended books as well. If you don't have time or don't want to listen to the episode but just want to see the list, you can check out the show notes. The show notes are at www.scalerlearning.com. And also, if you have any questions or comments from me, please email me at huzefa at scalarlearning.com. would love to hear from you. Thank you guys so much for joining. I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy.